Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Okay, so it's time to dig back into our study. Um, very, very short recap. Again, we spent about a year and a half on the life of Jesus. Then we went into discipleship of how to grow to be more like Jesus by looking at the four-tier model. Um, that, and we'll be still using that as we go through our next steps as well. Uh, the main steps within that four-tier is those that have not accepted Jesus yet are looking for Jesus. Second tier is once you accept Jesus as leader and forgive in your life and you acknowledge with your mouth he's the son of God, believe in your heart he died and rose again, and then you're a Christian, but unfortunately a lot of people stay there kind of a, as a, a baby Christian, uh, still learning how to walk or you know, throwing up on themselves, how to eat for themselves, that kind of stuff. Third tier is when we start um, taking a partner with Christ more, when we realize we're here on a mission, that we're here for a purpose, that we have a commandment to do his work. And then the fourth tier is as we lead people to the Lord that we're discipling, them even more so than we are in some of the other chairs. And this particular uh, section that we're going through on the spiritual gifts is very much a chair two to chair three type mentality. It's getting past just the, I, I said a little prayer and I get to go to heaven, but really digging into who Christ has created us to be and who he's empowered us to be, to be able to do the mission. So the last couple of weeks we've been on the Holy Spirit. We don't want to get into the escapades of the apostles and the epistles until we understand their power and the same power that we have through the Holy Spirit. So we spent some time there. And, um, and today, again, like I said, we're going to go into the, the gifts of the Spirit. Before I do, I've been waiting for the perfect timing for all of us to be at the right time, right place. All, everything has fallen into order to uh, take and celebrate with you guys. That's Stacia and Hannah took and joined membership in the church, uh, covenant relationship. So we're thrilled, thrilled that they did that. And... Uh, yeah, so I think we got some good stuff to do today. So we're going to get straight into Scripture. If you go ahead and get your Bibles out, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. This is, uh, matter of fact, I was talking to somebody this week about where we're headed. And uh, their first comment was, well, then you'll be in 1 Corinthians 12. I said, yeah, that and others. That and others. We're going to be going through the Scripture. But I do want to start here. Uh, again, if you have version, which is an app on your phone that you can get from your app store, that's free. You can go to the local live events, see us, TSF, and today's date. has all the places, all the scriptures in there. Uh, there's actually extra scriptures in there this week, uh, which I'll talk about when we get to that point. So if you have that tool, it's a good one to use this week. Place to take notes, prayer requests, those type of things. And then there's always Bibles in the baskets underneath the chairs around the room. But I want to lay a, a pretty solid foundation for us um, because I think we oftentimes when we do spiritual gift studies, I'm not sure, uh, at least for us, that we have ever done as in-depth as what we're going to do here for the specific purpose that we're going to do here. Uh, we're going to be on spiritual gifts for at least, I would guess, at least six weeks, just depending on what the Spirit does for it. But it's one of those things, kind of like baptism, that every church, whatever spirit you have, whatever you raised in, whatever tradition was there, whatever um, beliefs that they had, all of us could have very, very different understandings of spiritual gifts and why they're there and how we do it uh, and, w and what purpose it has in our life. So I kind of want to just kind of strip everything away uh, as much as we can. A matter of fact, I would say if you've ever taken a spiritual gift assessment, including the ones that we've offered here, 
If you could forget about those, somehow just wash them out of your mind, that'd be awesome. Um, because, again, I would really like to start from scratch because one of the challenges we always have, and we're going to see this over and over in our study, is in most environments, it appears that we want to know what our gifts are, and then I figure out like my two or three top gifts, and then it's like, oh, cool, and then we stop. Uh, we don't understand what it really means into our lives, how this works as a church body, how we work together within the spiritual gifts. So we're kind of just, I, like I said, I just want to strip it away and find it together. Does that sound okay? Can you do that? So, uh, and like I said, it, and even one of the resources we're using is written by uh, a gentleman that I love his assessment, and we've given them away to people left and right here at the church. But yeah, we're just going to blow those off for now and uh, get into the word and, and, and do things from a different perspective. So with that, we're going to go to chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Uh, the, the church of Corinth is having some struggles. Uh, Paul has uh, gotten some word that they are going through a lot of uh, bickering and fighting. Much of that, uh, not only on, but much of that is on spiritual gifts. So uh, he decides he's going to write them a letter. And that, it's not always fun to get a letter from Paul. Uh, usually starts out with, man, you guys are awesome. And then there's like 12 more chapters of, here's all the stuff you're messing up. Uh, but it's for exhortation, it's for, uh, to encourage them. So let's start here, verse 4, chapter 12. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And I just want to say, I'm going to smack, take and smack myself on the back. Good job on saying manifestation without messing that up. That's, that's one I really struggle with. Yeah, I've, well, I know. I've been practicing all week. I probably should study the word, but I've been practicing that word. Anyways, so in this little section, there's a lot of stuff. This is one of those chock-full-of-nuts uh, scriptures. But the main thing I want to pull out, just starting out, is that Paul is very clear that there are a variety of activities, there's a vi variety of service, and there's a variety of gifts. So this is important to them because they're all fighting because they want the gift of speaking in tongues. And if you have the speaking in tongues, then you're a mature Christian or a real Christian, and the other ones didn't, and all this different stuff. And Paul's trying to get them back to a bigger understanding that when it comes to us serving the Lord, there's all kinds of ways that we can serve the Lord. And there is no way, shape, or form that any of us can do all of it. That's not what we're made for. We're made to be parts of the body joined together by every ligament that's in place. So if we understand that, right off the bat, just starting out, we can easily have a much more joyful, productive life. If I understand that there's all kinds of activities and I'm not in charge of all of them, that impacts my calendar right off the bat. I mean, there's people that I know that love the Lord but are just constantly running around, burnt out because they're trying to do everything, and you're not meant to do everything. It just doesn't work that way. There's all kinds of different services that you are created for, you are prepared for, you are gifted for the services that God wants you to do. Now, there are times, just to let you know, and this happens to all of us, it happens to me, if you're following the Lord, He's going to put you outside your comfort zone, outside of what you feel you're naturally made to be, to do things sometimes. That's part of our faith. That's part of us growing. That's part of us being stretched. But for the majority of the time, I'm created for and purposed for a, 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 an area that He's prepared me for and that He's given me a desire for. 
And that's very different than the churches I grew up in. The churches I grew up in was very committed, uh, committee-driven, uh, and many of the times the, the, um, the guidelines of the church would say how many deacons are needed to be, how many trustees are needed to be, how many people on the Christian Board of Education. And being on, the, on part of the church leadership at times, you would see behind the scenes how they picked those people. And nothing had anything to do with prayer or spiritual gifts, or what we're made to do, or we're things that were thriving. It all would be like, well, do you, think, do you think Bob would do another three years? I mean, I know he's been in L three times, but we're a small church, and we just need people to, to fill in the seats. And we're not filling the seats people. We're not filling the seats people. Now, there's needs within the church, once again, we're all stretched or whatever the case may be, but that's not the way we're designed to be able to move in our natural, supernatural standpoint. If that makes sense. And then he also makes sure that we know that there's all kinds of gifts. All kinds of gifts. And we're going to go through some of those today so you can kind of get a little bit of a feel for those. But you and I are made different. Thank God. Right? Thank God that we're all made different. We all have different purposes and different ways of going about things. And he brings it together into his, his beautiful, beautiful tapestry. So... All kinds of activities, all kinds of service, all kinds of gifts. We've got all these different ways that we can serve, but there's one God. That's the next part that he's going to bring into it. That's why we have all these different options that are here. There is one God over all of it. As a matter of fact, this is one of those triune voices that you're going to find in the Scripture over and over again. He says there's one God, there's one Lord, there's one Holy Spirit. The, the, the triune God is over all of it. And then there's one answer that he has for why this is even in place is because it's for the common good. In other words, one God, multiple ways, one church to do it. And we do it together. That's why we can't keep looking at spiritual gifts as my own personal assessment. It's how do I do my part within the larger body. When we look at how God does things, from the time that Jesus ascended into heaven to the time that, he came, that he's coming back, what we call the church age. Okay, that's what, that's what we call that. And the reason we call it the church age is because we're the ones that are supposed to be doing the work. The only reason we're still here, this is, this is me, so again, you can blow me off if you want to. You're stuck with the scripture. But the only reason we are possibly here is because God has been as patient as possible to try to save everybody he possibly can because he would like nothing more than to have all this junk, filth, and corruption be done. He would love nothing more than all the, 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 this, this horrible stuff that happens in the world, things that happen in your life, health issues, death, loss, whatever. He would like nothing more than take his children out of that and say no more. So if I'm here, there's a reason for it. If you're here, there's a reason for it. And he's holding off as long as he possibly can so he can reach the world. And the way he reaches the world is us. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. He could send angels to do all of it, and he could save the entire world, but that's not how we're designed. So one God, multiple ways, multiple personalities, multiple gifts, all doing the same purpose together. That's what Paul has to share with us here in this particular case. The purpose for it is, verse 7, the common good. God's common vision, God's common unity. That is the reason that the Spirit is manifested in us. So with that understanding in place, the usual question usually becomes then what are the spiritual gifts? And we are going to talk about what are the spiritual gifts for a few minutes, and then we're going to kind of avoid that question for a little bit. So some of the, the, the gifts are kind of mentioned here. I'll keep reading uh, verse 8. Paul takes and says, To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, 
to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. You see how he keeps on bringing that back in? To another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Jump over to verse 27. As he continues writing, he says this, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of the body of Christ. So we're one and we're individually. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And, oh, sorry, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. So we all know the answer says, right, oh, no, right? Okay. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Again, here he's setting up the, the, the part about the speaking in tongues. Um, but he's bringing in all of these uh, gifts of the Spirit as well. So for a moment, we'll, uh, with the help of Lisa, I'm going to put up uh, some of the gifts, and we'll just talk about them casually uh, for now. Uh, there, this is not an exhaustive list. If you Google spiritual gifts, but by the way, that's not necessarily the best spiritual guide, uh, but it can get you in the, the, the ballpark. There's going to be some different understandings from different theological uh, backgrounds or, or speakers or whatnot. But for, for all purposes, group, grouping in spiritual gifts, there's the miraculous gifts. Uh, apostle, t speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, and healing. Um, to walk through those, basically, if you don't have background in that, um, apostle, there's different ways to, to look at apostleship. Um, if you go from a standpoint that some biblical scholars take and make apostle called to go out by the physical voice of Jesus. So when you look at the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples, you know, you got Matthew and, and Peter and John and James and the whole group. Um, they were called by Jesus, follow me, go out, be fishers of men. Um, you usually hear people talking about that when it comes to Paul, because when you look at Paul's letters, oftentimes at the beginning of his letters, he's defending his apostleship. Um, because a lot of people said he's not an apostle. He, he wasn't following Jesus when Jesus was here physically. Uh, so, so he constantly was fighting to, for the understanding that he is called out as an apostle because Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. His physical voice called him to be an apostle. So if you look at it from that particular standpoint, um, it's about the closest I'm ever going to really get to saying that was then, this is now type thing, if you look at it from that standpoint. However, the gift of apostleship is still very much in play today. The gift of apostleship, um, I think I'm still kind of getting my head completely around that particular gift, but when you see people that are gifted to plant the church, when you see people that are gifted to go to Thailand, when you see people gifted to go to areas of the world that have never heard Jesus' name yet, you're, you're seeing the giftings within them that are apostleship. Of that, of that level. That's the best way I can kind of describe that now. Somebody smarter than me can educate me later. That'd be awesome. Um, gifts of speaking in tongues, as I talked about last week. Um, the speaking in tongues is a prayer language. Paul writes about this in depth as well, if you want to study that. Um, 
it, it's a, a great section as well. It's the Holy Spirit uttering um, in a language that you have never studied, that you've never heard. Matter of fact, nobody in the world has heard. Uh, to God, he's praying, the Spirit's praying through you. To God, that would be speaking in tongues. Um, again, according to Paul, it's the lesser of the gifts. Why? Because it edifies you. It does not edify the church by itself. And the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good. So that's, that's one of the things within that. However, if you add in somebody has the gift of interpretation of tongues, now we're edifying the church. Now we have somebody. So if I am speaking in tongues and Chuck has interpretation of tongues and Chuck can take and say, okay, Tom's babbling, but this is really what he's saying. Then you have something that can edify the church. And when I've seen it used correctly, it's quite beautiful, quite beautiful. Um, miracles, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Miraculous gift of, of being able to do miracles. Uh, miraculous gifts of dealing healing as well. I've seen both of those in actions in proper ways. The challenge that we have with miraculous gifts is a couple things. One, depending on your background, uh, you might have come from an environment where, yeah, miraculous gifts, I'm all for it. I'm all, it's all powerful. It's beautiful. That, the way that the Spirit does things that are outside of our norm, which, which is, is free. And to be honest, I, I really pray that uh, all of us here learn that better and better. Uh, others, it's, yeah, I know it's out there, but it doesn't really impact me that much. Uh, I pray for better for you. Um, I hope that I didn't come off snotty, but that's exactly what I do. I pray that, that you experience these things. Uh, and then if you grew up in churches like me, the miraculous gifts were, that was then, this is, this is now. That's, that was, that was fourth century church. We, we don't have that anymore. Um, in fact, I remember a Sunday school teacher I had in high school that got kicked out of our church for teaching on the spiritual gifts. Um, he was ostracized for my church for that purpose. But also, remember, pastor got fired for preaching out of the NIV. So uh, we, 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 were, we were on that far spectrum of what I was raised with. Um, again, going back to tongues, I've said this before, I want to make sure we always hit it. Um, they were all wanting tongues. He said, calm down. Uh, it's the least of the gifts. The reason I want to bring that back in again is just because some of us in our past experience have been told that if you do not speak in tongues, you are not saved, and that is, that's a lie. That's a lie. Um, that we all have different gifts. Uh, I don't know why we make so much big deal of the least of the gifts. It is a powerful gift, don't get me wrong, to be the least and be tongues, that's awesome. But uh, nonetheless, th those are the miraculous gifts that Paul talks to us about. Enabling gifts are ones that help us uh, to motivate to action and motivate to speak. Uh, faith, discernment, wisdom, and knowledge. So faith is just that supernatural faith to believe in things that we hope for that are not seen. Discernment is to be able to, um, to be able to just tell the difference. I, I don't know about you, but have you ever picked up on the fact that Satan's pretty crafty? Um, and so there's, there's times that you're in a situation and everybody says, man, it's got to be God. It's got to be God. And it's like, geez, I don't think this is. Uh, something inside me is telling me that this is not okay. We need to look at it closer. Or um, at times, um, when you go into wisdom and knowledge, th things will come into place. Uh, knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is how you use it. Okay. So uh, there's times that I know I've I've been talking to somebody and it's a pleasant conversation. I've talked to him for years, and all of a sudden you just feel the pressure on your heart that the marriage is falling apart. And you're like, hey, uh, you know how, you know how how do I proceed with that? I mean, obviously, he told me that for a reason. How, how, I mean, I asked you about your marriage. How's your marriage doing? Next thing you know, 
you're moving into some categories where you can minister to somebody as well. Um, so th those are the enabling gifts that we have. All of these, if you look at them, by the way, I do want to throw this out too. Uh, you cannot have the gift of healing and still pray over somebody and heal them through, through the Holy Spirit. God will use all these in our lives in diff different ways, maybe, maybe not, on some of, some of these. But over, you could have a word of, uh, of knowledge without having the gift of word of knowledge. And we're going to talk about why that is and what the difference is between the spiritual gift and uh, just the spirit working through us as we go. The next section um, of gifts that I want to go through, and these are the ones I think we might even focus on a little bit more than others, if you would, Lisa, uh, are the, the team gifts. These are the gifts that are given to us, to, as each of us do our part, that we can uh, be part of the local body church and do the will of God. So we have all those different services covered, and we're enabled to do that under the vision of God. So the team gifts are evangelism, prophecy. Uh, really, pro prophecy more often than not is being able to have a very strong uh, view and understanding of what's right and what's wrong. Uh, it can get into future events, but for the most part, like if you look at John the Baptist, the reason he was killed was not because he was talking about the coming of Messiah, it's because he was calling people out for the sin. Um, so prophecy uh, does have a huge part of that. Usually if you have a gift of prophecy, you're not the most sensitive person in the world, uh, but you're getting the job done. Okay, teaching, exhortation, lifting people up, encouraging, shepherding, uh, leading people through the valley uh, when, when you're going through and over the, over the mountains, mercy. Uh, looking for people that are going through struggling times, serving, to be able to serve them as well. Sometimes that's called hospitality. Uh, giving, you're looking for the need. How can I give to the need through my time, through my finances, through my resources, and then administration, uh, leadership, behind-the-scenes stuff, um, organizing teams, those type of things. These are the, the team gifts, and all of us are gifted differently. You still good? All of us are gifted differently. Now, if you have the gift of evangelism, you're going to be passionate about evangelism. If you do not, you are still telling people the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's all of our roles. It's just a different on how we see things. It's a different about our passion. Uh, it's a different about how we focus in on evangelism. There's, there's really, I mean, there's times I've seen some of the best teachings I've ever sat under by people who absolutely do not have the gift of teaching. But God calls us into these areas outside of our comfort zone as well. However, if I see what my gifts are and I grow in them, I'm going to find that sweet spot more and more and more and more. Does that make sense? Okay. So with that, um, let me see where I want to go with this. Okay. I want to go through some, some things to talk about, not what are the spiritual gifts, now that we've laid that out, but... Um, what are spiritual gifts? Why do we have them uh, more, than, more than anything else? What the root causes and the motivator of those are to be? Uh, again, th this is another quote I came across this week. Many know their gifts, but not how they work together, relate to their lives, other people's lives, the local church, or the church as a whole. And I think that's all, probably one of our biggest struggles of actually bringing these things into action. Uh, so my note takers, we're going to go into notes. You guys ready? Everybody got notes? I actually put like the sermon note thing in the bulletin. I don't do that very often, to be fully honest with you, but I really want you to get uh, on this study uh, aggressive in your listening. Remember I was talking about that last, last week, the difference between passive listening and aggressive listening? I hope that you, uh, that you really dig in aggressively on this. The other thing I want to share with you is we've got two resources that we're really digging into. One's this. 
the other one, because um, I like give credit where it's due, is I'm going through a study on your gifts by Larry uh, Gilbert. What's going on there? What are you laughing at? Is it me? No, it's Stein, isn't it? Okay. Um, and for those who did, when I've given you the paper assessments, this is the same gentleman. Uh, and so we're going to be coming back to some of that. But some, some of his uh, work is just incredible in this area, including the next nine bullet points I'm going to give you that will take us over the next three hours. Okay. <laughs> you guys still laugh at that. That's like a joke I do every two weeks, and you guys still laugh at that. Okay, so I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what is spiritual gifts. Uh, not what they are, uh, but what they are. So the first one we're going to come to, and we'll talk about them as we go, is the spiritual gift is the hands of God. The spiritual gifts is the hands of God. He has decided, as we talked about, the church is his way of reaching this world, and we are the ones that are doing the work as he so leads. Uh, I read a uh, story this week from World War II, some little town in the middle of Germany someplace, um, that, again, bombing and shelling. And they had a statue, maybe six feet tall, of Jesus uh, with his, his arms stretched out uh, that was bombed. Like, it, it bombed that area and it was destroyed. And the, it wasn't a Picasso or anything like that. Just the people loved their statue of Jesus. So they picked up the pieces. And I don't know if he had super glue back in the 40s, but somehow they were taken and trying to repair that and put it back together. And they did it as a community. And when they were all done, it looked great, except for the fact that the hands were just nowhere to be found. Um, they, maybe they're disintegrated. Maybe they just couldn't find them, whatever the case would be. And uh, they were pretty upset about it. How can you have Jesus that doesn't, doesn't have hands? And um, somebody made a sign put in front of it. Um, the words, the only hands God has are your hands. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual gifts. He's prepared us. He is growing us. He is teaching us to be able to be his hands in this world. So spiritual gifts are part of it being the hands of God. Second one is this. Spiritual gift is a supernatural capacity. It is not what you're born with physically. It's not uh, a skill that you honed over time, like playing guitar or playing a piano. It is a supernatural gift. It is one that we are gifted, or ones that we are gifted, when we accept Jesus as leader and forgive in our lives, when the Holy Spirit manifests himself within us. Um, and so that is a spiritual um, supernatural capacity. And if you would, if you're taking notes, um, circle, underline, do whatever you want to that word capacity. Because if we really want to grow our understanding of spiritual gifts, we'd almost be better off to rename them spiritual capacities. The spiritual capacities. So if I was uh, born, uh, spiritually born, and I had the gift of, dis of teaching, let's say of teaching, that doesn't mean I'm Billy Graham tomorrow. Like I just show up and I, people show up in mass to my Coliseum and, and I'm teaching them all these incredible things. It means I have a capacity for my role to teach that might be different than you because you were born for hospitality. So with my training, with my prayer, with me growing spiritually, with moving up through the chairs and my discipleship, then I grow within that capacity more than I would naturally if I did the exact same things. Does that make sense? Make sense? I, uh, when Katie taught here a few weeks ago, she kicked me out of the church and I had to go to uh, uh, 
Malvonian Avenue Church of Christ, and one of my, my pastoral buddies, pastors there, and I've never heard him speak before, and he's really, really good. I, if you ever, uh, I, An Angie was the one who forced Jeff Bush on me uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, I love Jeff, and he, he's a credible speaker, and that, that particular uh, topic he was covering, I think he covered it better than anybody I've, I've ever li listened to. Um, and then when we got done, and he came up to me afterwards, I don't know if I would share this with you or not, but uh, we were talking afterwards, and I said, you know, that was really, really good for a first time out. You know, with a little bit more practice and maybe some study, you might actually be able to do this for a calling. Uh, so he smacked me in the arm for that. Uh, <laughs> but he wouldn't have preached like that day one. It's a supernatural capacity. It's what he's called to, what he grows, grows to. And so if you look at your gifts as capacities, you'll get a little bit of a better understanding and maybe not be so frustrated when you think God is using others and not you. Number three, a supernatural desire. Spiritual gift is a supernatural desire. Um, even the business world has pretty much stolen this from us. Uh, if you have a channeled desire, you are set up for excellence. Again, now, keep in mind, God is not calling us to excellence. He's calling us to faithfulness. That's important for us to remember as the church. But the simple fact is whenever we channel and we know what we're doing, we're set up to be extraordinary in it because you're created for it. It's not a cockiness thing on your part. It's just who you're created to be. And so you're growing in it. You're focused. You're saying no to the things that need no, yes to the things to say uh, yes to, and then um, you continue to move on to it. Now, this is what I'm going to slap in a warning I always do when it comes to spiritual gifts. We tend, um, and it makes sense. It's not even a bad thing. We tend to find jobs that match up to our spiritual gifts. That, that's just a, a natural tendency. It's who we're created to be, so we end up going into those general fields. Nothing wrong with that at all. If you've got a spiritual gift in teaching and a heart for children, sometimes you become a teacher. If you have a, uh, a heart for people that are mentally struggling, sometimes you become a counselor. If you have a heart uh, for, uh, for hospitality and serving those who are struggling with addiction, sometimes you, you become a, uh, a counselor there, somebody that's working with addiction. Um, that's very, very natural. The main thing that we have to watch are uh, two things. One, that we're doing those things as ministry. And I don't mean like an afterthought ministry, like, well, yeah, yeah I love the kids for Jesus, so that's okay. You know what I mean? We're, we're doing it as a ministry. We're bringing our excellence to it as a ministry. And secondly, when God calls us to do it in ministry outside of our job, that we're not so burnt out that we say, I do that all week as a job. I don't want to do that now. Those are the two things we have to watch for. There's nothing wrong with spiritual gifts in your ministry through your workplace. It's when we think it's a paycheck that it's a problem. Does that make sense? So that supernatural desire is what we're leaning towards to be able to have a positive burden for the ministry we're called to. Number four, spiritual gifts are tools for doing the work of ministry. Tools for doing the work of ministry. They are not resources for church leaders or for a pastor to use to fill their needs. I've seen this done way, 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 way too much. Um, matter of fact, I was talking to somebody not too long ago. I won't say here because they're in the house. Went to a church, had a spiritual gift assessment, found that they had spiritual gifts in being able to teach and work with children, and they didn't see a church service for the next three years because they were stuck in the nursery because we have a need. That, that, you guys are not here to be a resource to me. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm here, the elders are here, to train you up within your spiritual gifting so, and give you opportunities to serve the Lord. There are needs as a church family that we do together. But if I'm looking at you guys 
as being my resources to get what I want done, this model is no longer in place. It's just ego. And that would never, God doesn't put up with that super long. Not super long. So it's the tools for you doing the work of the ministry, building the kingdom, what you are called to do. So when you recognize which tools you have, you know what jobs to do. If God gives you a board and a hammer and says, hey, cut this into a real nice piece of wood, a couple, couple different pieces of wood, um, it's not going to look real pretty, he doesn't do that. He might give you a saw on a piece of wood. So if you know that your toolbox is a saw, then you know what, what jobs you're supposed to be doing. If you have a saw and you've got nails to be hammered in, you're probably not the right person to be pulling that one off. You need a hammer. So the more we have and know about our tools, the more we can do proper ministry in a way that brings joy into our lives. Which is number five. Spiritual gift is a source of joy in your Christian life. Now you've got direction. Now that you know what you're created for, it will give you a source of joy in your life. As a matter of fact, if we go to the next slide, Lisa. Spiritual, the, the gifts are uh, pulled out from four different Greek words throughout the New Testament. Um, I don't know, JT, you want to come up and say them correctly? Could I could just hack them. Can I hack them? Thanks. Doma means a present to build a gift. Charisma, a lot of times where we get charismatic from. Uh, charisma, divine uh, gratuity, spiritual endowment, in other words, what you're trusted with spiritually to use, religious qualification, a free gift, uh, cherish, the grace, unmerited favor, charge, the joy, happiness and fulfillment and just so that we're somewhat in the ballpark I'm sure one of those has a <laughs> in it someplace uh, just so in the ballpark but do you see over and over and over again the gift is not there to burden you it is there as a gift of joy it's there as a gift of joy when we look at the original number six spiritual gifts are a divine motivator a divine motivator um Again, we don't always work in the areas we're designed for, but most of the time we do, and that's our motivation, and it makes it easy to go the extra mile. You know, Jesus talks about, like, if a Roman guard tells you to carry my coat for a mile, you do a second one as a witness. That's a little bit different than this because we don't have to be thrilled about it, but we did it because of love, or we did it out of obedience, or we did it to be an example. Here, it helps us go the extra mile because we're in our sweet spot. When you're, you're using your spiritual gifts, you're in your sweet spot. Uh, Max Cato wrote a book. I don't remember what it's about. It's got golf on the front of it. Uh, but it talked a lot about being in your sweet spot. And his analogy was golf. Like when you just have that day, when, and I don't do golf, so frisbee golf. When we do disc golf, and you're just in that right spot that you just cannot throw that thing bad. Right? Or you, you cannot miss that free throw. That's what spiritual gifts guides us into, into our sweet spot, so that it's moving naturally, and we're not going against the friction that we have. It's a divine motivator. The next one, spiritual gift is a divine motivator of motives or reasons for our behavior. If you lean into your spiritual gifts, your motives will change. That's important because motives change your view and your view changes your behavior. Okay, let that sink in for a second. I'll use this example. Hospitality or service. Um, you might have taken an assessment somewhere along the line, and it said that you had the, the, the gift of hospitality or service. And you looked at it and said, ah, I don't know. I don't do that all that much. It does, I don't get very many opportunities of that. And you talk to a couple of your buddies about it, and they're like, oh, no, I see that in your life. I don't know. I don't know. It's a spiritual capacity. It's a spiritual capacity. And as your motives change, 
you will see yourself using it more and more and more. Uh, example of motive change. I was talking to my daughter, I think today or yesterday, uh, not too long ago. Uh, no, it was this morning. There was a Sunday that I was here. She's like, crap, what's he bringing up now? Uh, it was a Sunday I was getting ready, starting church, and I got a phone call from my sister who said, uh, Dad is going to the hospital now. And my dad at that point in his life would not go to the hospital. And that's all she knew. And I knew both of my parents have a perspective that I felt in the moment that he would not be pleased if I did not do what God called me to do that day in the message. And so I gave the message, and then I bolted out of here like nobody's belief. On that drive, I remember I was going through Waldo, and, and again, I think I've shared this story, but it's been a few years. And the guy was coming the other way, like at that four-wheel stop, type of three-way stop or whatever. And he, it was his turn to go. And um, I've never seen somebody go slower from the brake to the gas, to pushing the gas down, to coming across real slow and stuff. And um, I am a person that uh, speaks with my hands, not my fingers, but my hands. <laughs> um, and so, like, while well, he's slowly coming, yeah, exactly what I was doing. I was like, dude, come here. And, again, I, I didn't realize this, but there's a window on my car so you could see me. And so he's, like, rolling down the window, and he's yelling out the car and stuff. And I just uh, I left. Now, any other time in my life, because I know my shortcomings, the next 20 minutes, I would be lit and t complaining and walking through that situation in my head. And who does he think he is? And somehow trying to convince myself I was right at that moment. I didn't give the guy a second thought. Why? My motivation was, I got to get to my dad. I got to get to my father. That motivation changes things. When it comes to hospitality, when it comes to service, my, my life changed. Again, we've talked about it several times, but five months ago when I stopped to give a homeless person a few dollars and then recognized my cousin's face and the homeless person that we've been looking for for the last four or five years. Uh, there was no longer, I just only have a couple of dollars in my pocket. It was, can I fill your gas tank? Can we get food? Can we get you to the homeless shelter? Can you move in with us? It, 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 your motivation and your spiritual gift is your divine motivator of your motives. The more you lean into it, the more your motives will change. Uh, the next one that we have, it's a divine calling and responsibility. You might want to put a star next to that. It's a divine calling and a divine responsibility. Um, so within that, um, I, Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is the parable of the talents. And a lot of times you look at it from a financial standpoint. Do you guys remember that parable? Like the, the guy that was the boss was going away for a while and gave one guy a bunch of money, one guy a little bit less money, another guy just one dollar with that. And then he left, and when he came back, he wanted an account of what they did with those finances. And this guy had a return, well done, good and faithful service. This guy had a return, well done, good and faithful servant. This guy's like, oh, I, I knew you'd get mad if I lost it, so I put it in the ground, so here's your one buck back. Uh, he's like, you wicked servant, you coward. Um, that's very much a parable for our spiritual gifts as well. Very much a, a, a one for our testimonies. Any story we have where things were like, ugh, Jesus showed up, and this is the difference. We're responsible to share this so other people know that in their lives as well. Uh, same thing with our spiritual gifts. Someday, someday I'm going to sit in front of my father, and he's going to say, dude, I want to hear all about it. I, I'm telling you, it's not a, I gave you spiritual gifts, you better use them. It's, dude, I want to hear all about it. What did you do with the spiritual gifts I gave you? 
What did you do with this life that I'm guiding you through? And he's looking for a return. He's looking for a return. So it's not just a divine calling to use those gifts. It's a responsibility. And if you're not using those gifts, that's something that just shake us a little bit. And then the last one I'll give you is this. Spiritual gifts are the building blocks of the church. Spiritual gifts are the building block of the church. It is us doing our part. It's us doing the work. It's us using the gifts. It's us sharing in the enjoyment of the testimonies of what God is doing in this world today. That we get to be part of that story. Uh, I'll give you two scriptures to go along with that. Uh, Matthew 16, we'll put up on the screen. Verse 18. A lot of people like to lean into this one where uh, Jesus is talking saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against it. Okay, so Jesus is saying, who builds the church? He builds the church. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. The next one. We are God, God's fellow workers. We are the ones doing, that he's doing the work through. And if we're not doing it, Spurgeon, I remember one time, said if people must go to hell, may they do it climbing over the church because we're laying down in between the two. We're the middle. We're the intercessors. We are the hands of God. That's what we're digging into as we go forward. Uh, how many of you guys remember VBS? Okay, no, let me say this. How many of you guys 45 and older remember VBS, uh, the song I'm in the Lord's Army? Anybody? Oh, a couple, a couple under 40. Come sing it, Melissa. Okay. Amanda, uh, yeah, you're under 45. Who's the youngest person that remembers that? Yes, sir. Adam, how old are you? 38. Anybody under 38 remember that song? Jess, how old are you? 48? What? Okay. Okay, I'm giving it to Adam then. Uh, yeah, okay, you proved it. You proved it. You got it. All righty. Alrighty. Uh, I know, it's now stuck in your head, isn't it? It's going to be all week. Amanda started doing the motions as she's walking out of the room. <laughs> That's it for me. I'm in the Lord's Army. Um, here's the thing that's kind of interesting. When we're talking about being on God's team, when we're talking about being part of the church, when we're talking about doing our part, if you look at it from a God's army standpoint, uh, this is probably the main thing I'll move you from two to three. It is not. If you've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven in your life, uh, again, by acknowledging your mouth, he's son of God, believe me, your heart died was again, you're God, I'm not, I'm following you. New start, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit gifts, I highly recommend it. Um, it is not, I accepted Jesus, and now I have to decide if I'm going to get into this, if I'm going to be in the Lord's army, if I'm going to be part of that team. If you've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven in your life, you're in God's army. So it's not a matter of whether or not you're going to volunteer. It's whether or not you're a draft dodger or not. If you're not growing in your spiritual capacities to do the work of God, you're dodging. You're disobe disobedient? Disobedience. So it's really important for us to get this in here before we start moving forward of us going into the world in some of the ways that the disciples and the apostles did as well. Does that make sense? We're all good? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500. 
or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.